since the GLG typically records our episodes on Saturday night, we felt we'd be remiss if we didn't spend some time with America's favorite Saturday night entertainment, SNL. This show has brought decades worth of laughs, awkward celebrity moments, and has introduced us to countless comedy legends who got their start live from New York. While crass humor and political commentary are often SNL's bread and butter, there are some classic skits that we all have connected to. And believe it or not, the connections to education can be found here too. So while we are neither live nor from New York, this is Saturday Night on the Pop Culture Playground. Welcome back, Grounded Learners Guild members, to this episode of the Summer Pop Culture Playground. We are here to have a a little bit of fun and some laughs, do some abbreviated but entertaining content related to things like movies, television, and music, but also keeping things connected to the world of education, teams, and learning. Yep. And to do that, we're playing a game that we call Six Degrees of Education, where we take our topic for the episode or our media, whatever it is, and break it down into six different connections that we can make to the things that we value, teams, education, and leadership. So I'll get to the norms in just a second, but I have to just call a spade a spade, you guys. This one especially, I don't know what it is. You guys get into the mindset. Literally, Emily, you've got to pause this. Go back and listen to your intro here. <laughs> you sounded just like sweaty. You to- and Casey, you did too. I don't know what you... So for anybody that knows what I'm talking delicious about, delicious dish, delicious dish. Like, literally, the delicious dish. You guys had such the radio voice right there. It was great. Anyway, so I'll get back on track. Sorry, keeper of the norms. NPR, we're waiting for our call. (laughs) (laughs) So if you guys have been with us or listened to any of our other summer playground series episodes, we've been talking through these norms to keep us on track and to keep things grounded as we like to do. And so the first one, that norm is keeping it in the 20 minute area so that we can make these less episodes and more mini type episodes. And the second one is typically spoilers will follow, but this one I don't think is really going to be a problem, so we can kind of skip that one. But like our last episode, we've got a lot of different topics to go through and to hopefully help you as our listeners not get too much whiplash. We're going to put a little more structure into each of our connections so that you know exactly what we're talking about. So that structure will be, first we'll give a quick gist, and then we'll go into that connection. So let's just jump right in and start talking about our Saturday Night Live pop culture connections. So we are going to begin with Craig and Ariana, the Spartan, Spartan cheerleaders. cheerleaders. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, so you recall these are the high school B-level cheerleading squad who have been dying for years to make the official Spartan cheerleading team, and they just decided to make their own. So played by Will Ferrell and Sherry O'Terry. Okay, so what are some connections we can make between our Spartan cheerleaders and the world of education? I'll go ahead and start with this one. So to me, whenever I watch that skit, I am just taken aback with their positivity and passion all of the time. They are sitting on the sidelines of the mathnasium mathletes. They are sitting next to getting splashed, cheering on the swimmers who can't really hear them because they're underwater. (laughs) They're just so in love with what they do. And They just, no matter who makes fun of them for being the B-level cheerleaders, they always show up. And that I think when you're doing 
hard things in education and, and having to come up with new lessons, whether it's in pandemic teaching or not, having that resilience is what is really going to help get teachers, educators, leaders through this profession. I've got that thought of, my goodness, they are cheesy. <laughs> they just are. And here's the thing, we can laugh at it, or we can even criticize it if you're thinking of like, oh my gosh, really? But think about how students connect with cheesy. Yeah. Think about that. And I think that that's what makes these two so endearing as well is that you can mm-hmm. laugh with them. It's a little bit of that self-knowledge and being willing to give it your all, yep. regardless of what people are going to think about you. Mm-hmm. I like it. I also need to let our listeners know that Casey has been doing perfect cheer moves in video this entire time, just to give everybody a little mental picture. Oh but now that you have it... <laughs> it's so good, you guys. It's true. You just you all needed to know that. So. <laughs> So now that you do, my connection that I was going to make with the Spartan cheerleaders was about recognizing everybody. I think that what makes that sketch work and what the humor point is on that is not just how seriously they take themselves when they're cheerleading, but that what you said earlier, Casey, about representing every type of match yes. or meet or competition. And I think that a lot of times in education, we tend to recognize and give attention to what seems the most obvious, right. which again, is those high flyers, those early adopters, the people that are doing something right away. Think about that with your students too, when somebody is quiet or when somebody's involved with something that's not just that mainstream attention grabbing way of succeeding at something, what it could look like if somebody is celebrating what everybody is bringing to the table as well. And again, they play it for humor there, but playing it completely straight in the world of education, I think could bring some very special recognition and some feelings of success for people who don't always get to experience that type of celebration. Okay, so next up is my very favorite series sketch in that is Celebrity Jeopardy. Yes. So this is our second Will Ferrell feature. So he plays Alex Trebek, rest in peace. And he is moderating a set of celebrity panelists on Jeopardy, and they choose to make fun of them. And it's just hilarious. Typically, Daryl Hammond shows up as Sean Connery, (laughs) who proceeds to tell a lot of your mother jokes to Alex Trebek. So yeah, that's the basic gist, just to refresh your memories. Okay, so what I was thinking of is Will Ferrell as Trebek, consummate straight man will ferrell isn't usually the straight man but he (laughs) does it so well in this and he doesn't break he doesn't laugh that's not uncommon on snl for somebody especially in his era we'll talk about that more later to kind of break and start laughing but the way he handles all the mixed bag in that show reminds me of in a way what our teachers as consummate professionals are doing for their students with their students and again students come to things with a lot more pure heart than Daryl Hammond's Sean Connery and (laughs) Turd Ferguson and others Um, (laughs) sorry someone had to say it had to it had to be said but seriously like I really just think that this is about taking whatever bag is handed to you finding a way to keep it professional, keep it going, keep it moving. And I think it is sometimes people just tapping into a skill set that they have to bring their best even on the craziest of days because that's what teachers do. I'm going to piggyback off of you, Emily, because ours are pretty similar. What is so brilliant about what teachers can do is how patient 
they are with their students and all of the hilarity that can ensue in a classroom. And the hilarity looks different in a kindergarten classroom than it might look in a classroom of juniors and seniors. Emily, like you said, they come at it with a lot more pure heartedness. For the most part, the older you get, the little bit more daring they get. But nonetheless, there's a lot that happens outside of the curriculum and the learning and the seriousness of school and the patience that teachers have to put up with that, especially when it's like we've got so many demands of time and what we need to get through and accomplish that I think it's just a brilliant connection to Alex Trebek. His patience, you can see the frustration. It's almost like you can see what all teachers are thinking but can't put out loud, like Emily, you said, that they're the professional. But I just think that when you watch that sketch and if you think of teachers, what they're possibly thinking without saying, that's a great way to get insight into their mind. The thing that I thought of with this particular skit is the staff meeting. So having to facilitate a number of different staff meetings, you sometimes have different personalities pop up depending on what the topic is. And I will just leave it there at that because as a presenter, you sometimes feel like what you see happening in Celebrity Jeopardy. And I think that transcends education. That's just staff meetings. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yep. Yep. We've talked about it in some of those more office-themed episodes, office, office space. It's a thing. But, okay, we're moving on. We're going to talk this time about Matt Foley, the motivational speaker played by Chris Farley. (laughs) Yes. So this is early 90s with Phil Hartman, David Spade, Christina Applegate. This is where two parents discover their children have been smoking marijuana, and they hire Matt Foley, a motivational speaker, to come speak to their children. And Matt Foley lives in a van down by the river. And always says it. (laughs) (laughs) You'll be living in a van down by the river. (laughs) So the first thing I thought of when I rewatched that skit was the parents used the phrase, we don't want to come down on you kids. So what do they do? They hire an outside consultant to come in and come down on their kids and try to change their behavior. To me, this sometimes reminds me of some professional development initiatives. Whenever you see that there is a problem with your teachers, you hire some outside person to come in and fix the problem when really it doesn't always match with what actual needs are being met. So true professional learning for staff really comes with an analysis of self, needs assessments, and the most impactful professional learning has that true coaching component. Now we don't want Matt Foley to come live with us in the basement <laughs> like he suggests and they lock the door. But that's really what impactful system-wide professional learning may need. What I think first and foremost is the irony of comedy. And in this case, I'm thinking motivation. I'm thinking motivation, Casey, we can even connect that to what you just said with professional learning or even with our students. And how are people motivated? What makes them tick? And the irony here is they're using him as a fear tactic, right? Like, if you don't shape up, you're going to be living in a van down by the river like me. And that's what's funny. But when we think of how motivation is displayed in other people or what makes them tick, 
fear is not the answer. So if you're thinking about bringing somebody in there to shame or blame, like if you do this, here's what will happen, tisk tisk, you're not going to get the genuine motivation out of people that we would like to, especially in our professional learning circles, or even if we're thinking about students in the classroom. Right. It is really fear motivating. And you see that at the end of the skit when they all turn off the lights and hug each other. I'm so sorry, mom and dad. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's true. And like both of you, I just think that the hilarity and the brilliance of that sketch is what a poor fit Matt Foley is for the situation yes. that they are in. And really, I just think that it also speaks to the importance of having a direct conversation when a situation yeah. calls for it. Again, no comedy there. If mm-hmm. you take it out of the realm of comedy into the world where somebody could just speak to somebody and say, hey, this is not the best. Please refrain from doing that. I think we talked about this in one of our previous episodes too. If you can address it with an individual and not blast mm-hmm. a whole staff and start a whole new initiative or bring a consultant or whatever about it and just have a one-on-one direct conversation to help somebody improve in an area where they need to, need that can be a lot more impactful than going the Matt Foley route, mm-hmm. <laughs> even though it is incredibly <laughs> impactful Funny. comedy. Yes. Mm-hmm. yes. Okay, so moving on, uh, the next thing we're going to be talking about is the Chip and Dale edition. More brilliant Chris Farley, folks. Yes, so this one, again, this is mid to early 90s. So we've got Patrick Swayze as the featured guest, and they are in final third-time callbacks for auditioning for Chip and Dale's, the female dance club group we'll call it that we'll call it that (laughs) and the panel is trying to decide which person to hire patrick swayze who has the typical statuesque build incredible dancer we all know from dirty dancing yep or chris farley's character my connection really comes down to one of the final lines in the skit spoiler alert when Patrick Swayze is hired and offered the job as the Chippendales dancer, he flat out tells the panel, I wouldn't be the dancer I am today without Chris Farley's character right next to him. And so my connection here is exemplar study. Students learn one of the solid forms of instructional practice is by providing students with examples for what success looks like. So if they had had appropriate success criteria and exemplars for Chris Farley, his character, it wouldn't have been this giant production or waste of this man's poor time because he didn't have the build and physique that they were looking for. Help me out, guys. I want to make sure that I've got this one right. Don't the judges have a difficult time deciding who they want to pick, right? That's also another irony thing where it's funny. Okay, so I wanted to make sure I had that straight first, because what I think of here is the hiring practices that happen. And this, again, may transcend education again, but at least I'm thinking of the interview process that I've sat in in several of them, you have multiple people on a panel with differing opinions. Sometimes it's really obvious. It's obvious to the audience watching this, but not to the judges. And I think that that's an interesting connection because when you're on that panel, you're trying to find the best person for the job. What I might think is the best fit might not be Mm -hmm. the person sitting next to me and the conversations that happen. And I think that that's just, especially if you're somebody who is in the interview process or somebody that is going for a new job, It's hard not to be like, well, why wasn't I picked? But maybe you were somebody's pick, but it just had to go with either the consensus of the group or they were looking for a different kind of fit. But that doesn't necessarily mean that you were the wrong person for the job. Mm -hmm. But again, I think that the irony is so funny is because it was so obvious. Right. 
Mine is similar to yours, Jenny. I was really thinking about hiring practice and about the way that sketch plays out and again, why it's technically a waste of Chris Farley's time. But I think about the level of enthusiasm and just so like (laughs) kind of like with the spartan cheerleaders like what he's bringing to the table there is just like he is throwing himself into these dance moves and he is so so into it his heart Mm -hmm. is in it a hundred percent and i'm thinking about the idea of when we write job descriptions and we say what we want from people to maybe consider things outside of the obvious in terms of what we say we want and maybe expand our criteria of what we like to think about being a little bit more inclusive Mm -hmm. and maybe having a different definition outside of the traditional in terms of what we're looking for that might rewrite what success looks like for different positions. And again, would he have worked as a Chippendale? Maybe not, but a similar (laughs) dance troupe with slightly different goals great he was going in that dance like yeah just maybe he could succeed there might be that world okay and he's driven and he's driven because even in that last moment he's like shimmying a little bit just to try to change their minds and definitely (laughs) Mm -hmm. believes in the company and that is somebody you want on your side yep yep he's committed Mm -hmm. love it Okay, so moving on from that one, the next one we're going to talk about is going to be, again, we're a little 90s heavy. Let's own where we grew up and where we're from, (laughs) but Wayne's World. So this is featured Mike Myers and Dana Carvey from Aurora, Illinois, their public broadcast (laughs) station, Wayne's World, Wayne's World, part time, excellent. Two friends getting together Friday nights at 11 p.m. to just talk about music, talk about things they love, and Kim Basinger. (laughs) great summary casey thank you i do what i can i'm gonna cheat here a little bit i hope you guys will allow it you let me know if you'll allow it i connect this one to us (laughs) (laughs) so i'm cheating a little bit but i mean we have our feet firmly planted in education and leadership and teaming so i think it still kind of fits but i'm cheating a little bit it's us think about it Casey, you are in your basement right now recording things. (laughs) Let's be real. I see behind you a treadmill and your kids' toys and a lamp. And what is that? Is that a jersey or cricket stuff? I don't know. I don't even know. That's my connection. It's just like the things that educators or dedicated professionals will do, the lengths that they will go to, to be able to share their passions. And come on, Wayne's World, that connection, we are dorks. But we own it, and we <laughs> are in our basement, and we're making recordings on a random evening <laughs> in the summer. Night. Like yeah. we could be socializing, and here we are. So that's my connection: cheating and all. I love that so much. <laughs> I almost don't want to say anything, but we all know that I'm not capable of not saying anything. So <laughs> basically, my thing was very similar, but I didn't connect it all the way. Bless you, Jenny, for actually doing that. But I was just going to say grassroots. I see Wayne's world as grassroots, trying to get something started. We're working on this together. We've got this partnership. And again, I hope someday that GLG will be this grassroots thing that people are connecting to. Maybe it is already, we hope. But I think of Wayne's World as being a grassroots thing in motion. They're building it themselves from the ground up and putting in the work, putting in the time. They don't have to do that. They want to. They're doing it as a passion project, grassroots ground up. Yeah. And we've shown our love for Bohemian Rhapsody already. (laughs) Oh, yeah. So that works too. Based on what the two of you have already said, it's that agency 
piece, whether you've got students or adults, when you find opportunities for people to do things that they love and show what they know, great things can happen. And that's what Wayne and Garth do. Love it. We are going to finish with our final connection, and we are not accidentally choosing one of the most epic sketches ever, and that is the more cowbell sketch. So this is our final appearance of Will Ferrell. This is the secret in-studio recordings of Blue Oyster Cult's classic hit and special guest... Christopher Walken. Thank you, Christopher Walken. I can't believe I forgot it. Always demanding more cowbell from Will Ferrell's character in the band. I look at this as there's feedback being given. And I will say, okay, first of all, Don't Fear the Reaper is an epic song. (laughs) Yeah. So it's good. You don't mind hearing it like a million times. And I will say that not only does he give feedback and the band attempts to make adjustments as they're going, but the sketch itself gets more and more hilarious the more Will Ferrell tries to take that cowbell higher and higher. So he's being given feedback, he's trying to adjust, and the actual final product, not being Don't Fear the Reaper, but being the sketch, improves tremendously every time he gets that feedback and makes the adjustment. So there it is. The power of someone's potential, even when you're the underdog or you're overlooked, the cowbell is not the typical <laughs> instrument you think of to highlight. Now Nor, you do. <laughs> now you do. But let's think about it. It's underrepresented or it's usually in the background yeah. and it's not necessarily something people notice. But there's somebody else in that sketch that recognizes the underdog and wants to elevate the potential of it. There's something to be said about that in the working world. Having people in your systems that can recognize the potential of others, even when they're not the flashy, upfront, obvious choice. And that's hilarious because my connection is the exact opposite, (laughs) which is love it. At the end of the day, by asking for baby, I got a fever and the only cure is more cowbell. Like, are we (laughs) focusing on the right thing? That whole skit is an example of a totally dysfunctional team. With each take that they do, you can see the frustration with the rest of the band. As Are Will you sure Ferrell, Jimmy Fallon is laughing? Oh my the god, whole way oh, he's laughing. He's That's laughing. His thing, but though. Chris Parnell, Horatio Sands, yeah, Katan, the rest of them are visibly distraught. And Christopher Watkins' character is completely oblivious to the fact that the rest of the team is so unhappy. So as Will Ferrell is dancing around, exploring the space with his (laughs) gut hanging out, the rest of the team is like, this isn't working for us. And it takes that giant blow up. Whereas if we were focusing on the entire team's function, we could have come to consensus without having the blow up and then everybody else having to back down and say, no, man, you do your thing. You you explore that space, man. So that was my thing. Like As a system, are we focusing on what all stakeholders need and are we focusing on the right things. Casey, I love that we are polar opposite on this one. And if I were to say, hey, guys, are you team Casey or team Jenny on this one? Because I think we both come at it from very different angles, but they both make sense. So which one listeners do you agree with? Hashtag GLG pod chat. Who do you agree (laughs) with? (laughs) We need to hear about how we can close up this controversy. Yeah. And who knew that we would get such a discussion from more cowbell, but here we are. Who gets bragging rights? Yes.
So that said, we can either bring it all together or create a little more controversy amongst our team by playing a little game. So that's what's next for us, squad. Let's play a little (laughs) most likely to. We haven't done this in a while, so let's bring it back around. Let's just imagine a world where the three of us were somehow funny enough to be on SNL. (laughs) Hashtag never. Okay. I mean, Lauren Michaels, we're here, we're available. <laughs> How many times have I pitched myself this episode? Do you know? Okay, whatever. <laughs> whatever. Just playing. Okay, so in this imaginary non-existent world, we're on SNL. Who of us is, first of all, most likely to, just talked about this, break Jimmy Fallon style during a sketch? Who can't keep their face on mid-sketch? I feel like it's me. Is it me? Only because, yes, only because we've talked about, for example, I have the poker face. Yeah. And Casey, you have tells. Although, oh, this one's hard because Emily does not have either. a poker face. Whew, I don't right. know who it is. I've got Emily for something else. So I guess I will give this because I'm usually the one during our episodes who like stop. Be like, can I do that again? <laughs> during the beauty of editing process yeah so unfortunately i wouldn't be able to do that so i'd be the one covering up my mouth trying to cover up my brain yeah just the facial expression i don't have a poker face either but i was gonna say you just because you do laugh a lot mid pod so i do i do okay so next one is which of us would be most likely to sit behind the weekend update desk who could deliver the news and the punchlines so to me The person who sits behind the desk is the straight man. The characters who visit the Weekend Update desk, those are the ones who are like the punchline deliverers. So I'm going to give that to Jenny. Not that you don't have really great zingers as well, but you are the perfect person to play off of whatever personality is alongside you. I'll take that. And it goes along with the animal you gave me. Do you remember you called me a meerkat? Yes. Because of my posture. So (laughs) I'll take it. Yes, I sit very straight and tall. And yeah, I can take it. I think you could do it, Jenny. I think you have a good idea of social dynamics and where things are going to come in and you could really bump set and then let either the news itself or the punchlines bring it home or the wackadoo guests. Either way, Mm -hmm. you can bump and set like a pro. So last one, which of us would be most likely to improvise mid-sketch? Easy. Easy. Emily. Hands down, Emily. (laughs) Emily wrote these down, these most likely to. And as soon as she wrote this one, the improvised mid-sketch, I was like, it's Emily. Right. Did you know that Emily writing it, that it would be you? No. Oh, really? I thought Casey's the one who makes things appear out of nowhere. So I don't agree. No, my making things appear out of nowhere takes time. You're excellent at in the moment, listening, taking in while still producing in the moment. And then afterwards, the thing is gone. You can't even replicate the brilliance that was just there. Like you go into this awesome state of creation. I think that's what you have to do on the show. You have to be so lost in the moment that you can pick up whatever drops. Two other reasons, Emily, whether you think that it was productive or not, you have practiced improvisation through your high school acting, right? Didn't you do that? Yeah, I had a low key role in our high school improv. Yeah, you always talk down on it, but you <laughs> clearly it worked because I hear you. Here's my second thing. Often, even in these episodes, again, it's no secret. I'm typically the one that's re-listening to all these things in the post-production process. And Emily, you've got those ones that we didn't plan. Yep. But they stick in and stay in an episode because it's gold. Mm-hmm. I appreciate that. I guess I've grown a lot since my days of high school improv only saying one funny thing per show. It's like I had a limit. That's it. One <laughs> funny thing. Done. Done being funny. 
have to be quiet now. (laughs) (laughs) Don't put a limit on brilliance. Nope. I guess we're all capable of growth. All right. So thank you for joining us on our Saturday Night Live themed pop culture playground. Wish we had the SNL band to play us out, but we don't. So we'll just wrap it. Peace out. And that's it for Six Degrees of Education Minisodes for GLG this summer. Thank you for sticking with us on the Pop Culture Playground and hope the lighter content filled your proverbial iced beverages as much as ours. We're taking a short break from the airwaves as we all prepare for, dare I say it, back to school. Never fear though, the Guild will be back in September, so make sure to join us for Season 2 of the Grounded Learners Guild. If you'd like to connect, the power of the PLN doesn't rest. You can still find us on our website at thegroundedlearnersguild.com and on Twitter at GroundedLGuild at C. Veacher, at Tech Coach M, and at Jenny Labrie using the hashtag GLGPodChat. Feedback is a powerful tool, especially as we dive into creating Season 2 topics. We've said it before, if you haven't yet already, might you consider leaving us a review? It helps us to keep growing, allows us to bring new quality and customized content, and assists others in finding our guild as well. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you stream. That way, you will be notified with a reminder when our new season episodes drop. Thanks again for joining us, Casey, Emily, and me, Jenny, in today's minisode of the Grounded Learners Guild. Looking forward to seeing you as the official guild meetings resume. In the meantime, do your best to stay grounded.